1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB
0: Think Radio podcasts can be found on our website money.mpbonline.org or on your smart devices podcasting platform
1: good morning and thanks for tuning in you're listening to southern remedy healthy and fit on mpb think radio i'm your host josie bidwell associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking about vaccine preventable diseases. It's uh, just about to be flu season right around the corner. And I actually spent my morning giving flu vaccines today. So we will kick off the show talking about um, flu season and uh, questions about the uh, annual flu vaccine. If you have a question or a comment for us, I'd love to talk with you today you can always send me an email, fit at mpbonline.org. All right, so um, when is flu season, right? And why are we talking about it uh, now? Well, flu season is just right around the corner, right? So um, if you look at official flu season dates, those are usually listed um, October to Marchish ish um, type area. Um, And it can go a little bit later, you know, kind of um, April, May to some extent, but the bulk of it is between um, October and March with a peak. And so when I say peak, meaning the kind of highest activity in the most cases, um, usually somewhere around December um, to February-ish type areas. So we are quickly approaching um flu season and so now is the time to start considering um flu vaccination and your plans for for getting that but we do have a caller on the line this morning so we'll go to horn lake and talk with david good morning how can i help you
2: uh thank you for taking my call sure. i got a question about vaccines okay um i haven't been to a doctor in over 10 years and i have gotten uh the two COVID shots and the one booster. Okay. That's the only shots I've had. I'll be sixty-seven, my birthday, and if uh, the way I understand it, they want me to take a shingle shot, a flu shot, a new booster shot for COVID, and uh, let me think now. Um, um let me see. there's about two of. Uh, anyway. Pneumonia shot. Yeah. Anyway, how safe is mixing all these shots together? Is have there been any studies? I mean, I don't mind getting one vaccine shot, but I mean, when they want me to get four, or five, or six, or eight. And mixing all of them together, how safe is
1: that? Yeah, so when you look at the kind of the, the evidence out there about combining shots, the you know, the biggest bulk of information that we have is is from our kiddos, right? Um, pediatric shots are usually given in um, groups of multiple vaccines, multiple different times. Uh, you know, routine pediatric vaccinations start at two months, and kiddos get um, you know anywhere from It's usually three actual pokes, but there are multiple... Medicines or vaccines in those um, injections. And so combining those is usually okay. Um, You know, as we get to be an adult, um, we have less vaccines that are needed. And so we have usually are taking less over, um, you know, at one time, but having more than one at a time is okay as well. Um, A lot of the questions that I'm getting right now are about the COVID boosters and seasonal influenza and can you take those together? and you can, what sometimes will happen when you have multiple ones together at a time, is you'll just have a little bit more kind of um, robust uh, feeling bad after you have it in terms of muscle aches, you know, little low grade fever, um, some, uh, you know, just general feeling tired, those kinds of things. But it's generally considered fine to to do those um, at one time. Now with you, like not having had any in a while you can space those you don't have to get them all at one WAP um, you know you could do flu and COVID together um, the shingle shot which I'm going to talk a little bit um, more about later on in the show it can make people feel a little bit crummier than the other ones um, so sometimes spacing that one out and kind of doing it by itself um, is not a bad idea just so that you don't feel so bad all at once but you can take them at the same time
2: uh, uh, one more question sure uh- uh, 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 let me get my tongue back in my head. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so I, you know, you get my brain and my mouth working together. I so hear well, you. The heat is trying to come out in me. Uh, is there any underlying health conditions that maybe would aggravate getting a vaccine or or, or have a you know like they say, don't take uh, I don't know, CINCO Baloco or yeah. you know, you know, with, with this, this you know with this medicine or if you're on that medicine, don't take this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are. Uh, Contraindications to vaccines that could be a allergy to a component in the vaccine. Um, you know, with seasonal influenza, some of the um, vaccines have used egg. Um, to help generate that uh, that vaccine. So an egg allergy or an allergy to certain antibiotics like aminoglycosides um, would also kind of um, be a contraindication to some brands of the flu vaccine, but not all of them. So that's kind of important to talk about. Um, also, um, live virus vaccines like the chickenpox vaccine. Um, if you're pregnant, you wouldn't want to have that. If you were on um, chemotherapy, those kinds of things you would want to avoid. Those live virus vaccines as well. All
2: right, thanks so much for taking my call.
1: Absolutely, thank you for giving us a call this morning. All right, so we were talking about um, when flu season is, right? And we're we're uh, we're right up next to it. I can't believe that we're uh, uh, really in the second part of September, like in the second week of September. It's it's crept up on me, um, and we started giving flu vaccines today as in um, in our clinic, and. I get a lot of questions about why should I get the flu vaccine? um, Because it it never seems to be a good match. Uh, I hear that a lot. And so what does the term kind of good match mean uh, in terms of the flu vaccine? And so the flu vaccine is adjusted uh, annually um, based off of – virus patterns across the world and what what they think are going to be the predominant circulating strains because there's lots of different strains of of the flu out there. Um, And so uh, sometimes may not be a perfect match, like 100% effective, which a lot of vaccines are not 100% effective. And so when you look at Uh, the kind of the history of the flu vaccine and kind of how they match it's usually somewhere between about 40 to 60 percent effective in terms of preventing symptomatic infection and so a lot of folks may go well that just doesn't seem worth it to me you know i don't like needles i don't want to feel bad i don't want to go get this but what we have to remember is that vaccination is not just about preventing symptomatic infection. It's all also about preventing complications from that infection. And when we look at people who are vaccinated against influenza versus those that are not, in general, we tend to have um, Better outcomes. People just tend to do better um, if they've been vaccinated. Um, In particular, let's say you wind up being hospitalized um, with influenza. In those people who are hospitalized, there's about a 26 percent lower risk of having to be in the ICU. Right. So when you get admitted to the hospital, you can be a general floor, right, or you can require ICU admission, right. And of course, the higher the degree of Um, Of medical intervention you need the the sicker you are right Um, and then also a 31 percent lower risk of death right in those same hospitalized patients so even if you get the flu it does um, decrease your risk of getting really really sick or dying from it so it's important to remember um, that 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 we're not only trying to prevent symptomatic infection, we're also trying to prevent um, complications from that. Um, And so the next question I usually get asked is, well, who should get vaccinated? And it's probably easier to talk about who shouldn't get vaccinated because by and large, um, the vast majority of people will benefit from uh, a seasonal influenza vaccine. Um, so those that should not get vaccinated are those under six months of age. So flu vaccination starts at six months. Um, and so if you've got a little one around, someone who's younger than six months of age, one of the ways we protect them against um, influenza is making sure that the people around them and that are caring for them are vaccinated against um, against flu. Um, some other people that it would be, you know, not a good idea, um, or would not qualify for influenza vaccination would be those who have had a previous, um, like anaphylactic reaction to the flu vaccine or, um, has, um, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome after a vaccine, or again, um, egg allergy would not be a direct contraindication, like not a hard stop. It would just be a conversation about what type of, um, preparation your doctor's office or the pharmacy that you're seeing uh, has in stock because uh, there are egg-free versions. We only use egg-free um, where I give vaccines as well. So everybody else uh, should seriously consider getting um, a seasonal influenza vaccine. Um, one of the other things I get asked is I seem to or they tell people tell me I seem to get the flu every year I get the flu shot, right so I must be getting the flu from the flu shot, and it's just not that's not it and it's not correct so um there in the past there have been some live virus flu vaccines those are by and large not what are utilized anymore um so you can't get um the you can't get the flu from the flu shot what what can happen is it takes about two weeks for you to build up kind of full protection from that vaccine right whereas the incubation period of the flu and that means the time from when you get exposed to the flu until you get sick is much much shorter than that like a day or two so you could get exposed to the flu on sunday right get your flu vaccine on monday Not have the protection of that flu vaccine, that full protection in 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 effect, and then become symptomatic with the flu on Tuesday or Wednesday, and go, oh, it was that dang flu shot, but it wasn't. It was that you were already kind of incubating that virus um, before you had the the vaccine on board. So you cannot uh, get the flu from the flu vaccine. And one thing I want to talk about is some of the um, one of the biggest reasons that I see people not do it, uh, or one of the biggest hesitancies is they don't like needles. And, you know, that is not an uncommon statement. And I would hazard to say that there are very few people out there who would say they like needles or like getting um, a shot. Um, but there are a group of folks who are very, very fearful of that uh, and, you know, have, you know, have a true phobia of those needles. And, you know, I would recommend you know, working with um, your individual healthcare provider, the vaccination center that you're going to be going to. Um, you can even begin working with a health psychologist to help deal with um with some of those issues as well, a lot of the people that come in to see me to get vaccinated aren't quite at that level. They're just hesitant. And they don't like it. Um, talk to the person vaccinating you, right? We want you to have a good experience. Um, you know, I kind of have a, a general routine that that I do um, where I kind of count down. I usually say one, two, three, big stick. Um, but talk to your vaccinator. If that's going to make you more nervous, right? Like if I count down and that makes you more nervous, then just tell them that. Like, I don't want to know. You know, Or I absolutely do want to know so I don't flinch or jerk or any of those different kinds of things. Um, if you get lightheaded, those types of things, then we want to know about it, right? Or maybe, may lay you down, uh, monitor you for a little bit more time. But we really do want to um, to give you this good of an experience as you can have while you're getting a vaccine so that, that you want to keep coming back and getting them um, as scheduled. Um, some of the other things that I get asked about are, um, you know, should I take – Uh, an analgesic with that and you know that's up to you Um, I usually don't love them within the first couple of hours because I do like your immune system to kind of kick in and start to uh, start to make things and get get ramped up Um, but you know if you're prone to having muscle aches and those types of things Tylenol or ibuprofen is fine um, to take um, to, to help with those kinds of things You can also use cool compress on the area. And a lot of people are like, what's a cool compress? Well, is a fancy word for like a cold washcloth. So just get a cold washcloth, get it. um, You know, I don't like putting ice on things like that because you can actually get an an ice kind of burn on your skin when you put ice directly on the skin. But if you just wet a cool washcloth, um, fold that up and apply it to the area. And as it warms up from your body heat, just Put it back under the water. Get it, you know, get it cool and wet again, and and replace that back on the area. And that works great for any kind of redness that you may have in the area, any kind of localized swelling, which are all common side effects from from having an injection into a uh, into a muscle. So those are things that you can try if you're having some um, discomfort there. Um, The next question I get asked is, when should I get? The flu vaccine, right? I actually got this question um, uh, texted to me this morning from a friend. They said, somebody told me it was too early to get the flu shot. What do you think? Um, Well, I said flu season starts October, right? And it takes about two weeks for the vaccine to kind of get to its full effectiveness. So um, I like to have mine on board and fully working by the beginning of october so i would say now is a a great time to go ahead Um, if you are one that wants to wait a little bit so that um, it's kind of on board and working at its peak effectiveness around the actual peak of flu season i still generally recommend that you have it on board and fully working by the end of october so that would be getting vaccinated um, uh, mid october for full effectiveness that's full effectiveness by the end of october now that is not to say that if it is November and you have not been vaccinated, that you should just say to heck with it and I'm not going to do it. Um, you absolutely should. Um, you know, peak is uh, into February. Season lasts. You know, March, April. We still saw some hanging around um, in May. This last year. So it's not too late um, to do that um, in the latter part of the fall and the winter. Uh, we wouldn't want you really vaccinate uh, like in July or August, um, either from the previous season that that wouldn't be effective or vaccinating too soon, like July and August, for the upcoming um, season. So now is a, a good time to go ahead and get um, get started with that and contacting your healthcare provider. So you can do that at your regular uh, doctor's office, um, or lots of the community pharmacies have um, have the flu vaccine available. And then also. Um, Your workplace may be offering the the flu vaccine for you uh, there. So those are all great places to check. Um, If you are 65 or older, there is a special formulation of the flu vaccine. Um, In folks that age, um, sometimes we have less of a... um, Response to vaccination, like we don't make quite as much um, protective antibodies. And so um, these 65 and older formulations sometimes will have a, a bigger. Uh, dose, or will have an adjuvant added to it, meaning it helps to kind of stimulate the immune response a little bit more. Um, So if you're 65 and older, you might ask your healthcare provider about that. Now, if a 65 and older formulation is not available for you in your area, that does not mean that you should forego um, flu vaccination, you can receive the standard formulation, and that will be just fine. Um, But it is out there um, and available. So worth checking into if you fall into that age group. All right, that's kind of going to wrap up our conversation about um, the the flu vaccine. But if you have additional questions about that, I'm happy to take um, questions. Um, The next uh, vaccine that we're going to talk about is the one that's probably in the headlines the most right now, which is the updated COVID booster, or the Omicron booster as it is kind of um, uh, being referred to. And so what is it, right? Well, it is a bivalent vaccine. And what, what does that mean? Well, valent usually re, um, refers to like the, the the number of strains that are in it. Um, so like our flu vaccines uh, this year, quadrivalent, meaning four, um, four strains, 2A and 2B. Um, so the omicron booster actually has original vaccine strain, so the original primary series and then the the omicron ba4 and ba5 and so you may be going now josie that's three things why isn't it called trivalent well remember that the um, the uh, COVID boosters are to the spike protein. And so the spike um, in BA4 and BA5 um, are essentially the same. And so um, this updated booster is, again, got original strain protection and then um, Omicron BA4 and BA5 um, in it. So um, who's eligible? Who should get um, an updated Uh, COVID booster? Well, it is approved for under the emergency use authorization for those 12 and older, right? So not our our younger ones, but 12 and older that has completed a primary series, right? And what I mean by primary series is they have gotten um, two doses of Pfizer, two doses of Moderna as their their primary um, vaccine series, um, and they're then eligible for a Booster, um, so it can't just be um, that you've never been vaccinated before and you want this kind of Omicron um, updated booster. You have to go through primary vaccine series first, okay? Um, and then the previous booster that we were using, which was essentially this the same um, um, vaccine as the primary series, um, that is no longer available for those 12 and older, um, and it will be this updated Omicron booster. And so when can you get it? Uh, well, it's two months after your previous um, vaccine. So if you received the original booster and it's been um, at least two months, you can get the updated um, Omicron-specific uh, bivalent um, uh, booster shot. Um, And then we we touched on this uh, earlier in the uh, show about can you get it as the same time as your flu vaccine? And you can. Absolutely. Um, When we look at... um, kind of increased side effect profile from those things um, it's anywhere from about eight to eleven percent of people report having a little bit more um, muscle aches fatigue low-grade fever and just kind of general feelings of blah um, when they get them uh, together but overall do really 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 well um, when um, administered together so if that's more convenient for you um, to go get them at the same time then that is completely appropriate and and will work just fine also if you want to spread them out that's okay too um, i just want to encourage you to you know to get vaccinated if you are due for one of those um, again if you're um, in that younger age range that um, you know, five to 11 age range and you're due for a booster um, it would uh, still be the original monovalent um, vaccine kevin do you have a question
0: yeah um, um, what about the availability for the this new omicron booster i know that had been- been a little bit of a problem before are, are supplies getting to be more um, available
1: yes so uh, we were able to order so most places are going to order from the health department they get kind of the the big um, batch and then uh, uh, dole them out um, we were able to order last week and are anticipating the arrival this week so they should be available my parents actually got theirs uh, last week at a community pharmacy up in the delta so they are available um, you can usually go to vaccine finder Dot .gov and put in your area and it'll show you where um you know where those things are available. Um and there are uh the, the Pfizer and Moderna both are available. So um if the, if you have a preference for for which one you want to do there. But that was a great question, um Kevin. And so usually our health department also has great information online at MSDS msdh.ms.gov, um, we'll have um, a list of vaccine providers and where things are, um, where are they're available for you, um, for you there. Um, so that was a great question. And we do have a uh, caller on the line. So we'll go talk with um, Michael. Good morning. How can I help you?
2: Hey, uh, really appreciate this topic. And it's something I've been wondering about. I got my primary COVID vaccine series And uh, for for whatever reason, did not get a booster shot after that. Okay. And now I am considering getting the uh, updated Omicron booster, but I contracted COVID uh, a few months ago, and I wanted to know the guidance on how long I should wait before
0: um, getting that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a great question, and. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of evolved over time. Uh, when we first started with these things, we generally... Um, reco- it also depended on whether you received, you know, monoclonal antibodies and those kinds of things, but it, it's cleared up a little bit since then. Um, if you just had COVID. Um, I mean, the actual guidance is that as soon as you're released from isolation and are not symptomatic anymore and feeling okay, um, you can receive a, a booster shot from that. Um, but if you've recently had it in the last couple months, um, it's also reasonable to wait about 90 days or about three months um, before before getting that. So the, the short answer is it sounds like you had COVID a couple of months ago, it would be completely appropriate to go ahead and get that booster. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for giving us a call. And and it sounds like you're on the road, so be safe.
2: Okay, thank
1: you. All right. All right, and we do have a couple of callers that we're waiting to hop on. So before we um, get to those callers, we will talk, um, I'll introduce the topic of the shingles vaccine um, or shingrix, which we'll talk about. And so if you have questions or comments about that, um, now's a great time to go ahead and hop on and and give us a ring for that. And we'll actually go over to um, Cleveland and talk with Charlotte this morning. Hello, Charlotte, how can I help you?
0: Uh, Four years ago this month, I uh, um, I got my first pneumonia shot. Okay. I'm now 59, uh, about to be 60. And on the same day, Kroger let me get my flu shot. Mm-hmm. And then I began having severe vascular headaches. My blood pressure, mm-hmm. I never have high blood pressure issues, but my blood pressure was spiking and my arm had um severe arthralgia for uh, and it has never gone away uh the swelling is still there and it's still when it when it hits it hurts as badly Mm -hmm. as the day i got the day after the shot and uh, kroger pharmacy did a report on the national level and it has a case number and everything Mm -hmm. but um that swelling and pain have never gone away so is that i read online that that can be tissue damage from the preservative in the shots can that ever clear up and stop
1: hurting and being puffy have you seen um neurology at all for this particular issue no okay that would probably be the next best step would to be to see if there's actually any kind of nerve um, injury that occurred anything like that Um, you know without knowing the formulations that you received um, it would be difficult to say you know it was this preservative or or, um, not because a lot of them are going to be preservative free Um, so neurology would probably be the next step to kind of try and figure out what actually is going on in that particular area
0: I took prevnor
1: thirteen prevnor thirteen okay, yeah, those if it uh the there's a multi dose vial and then there's a um single dose um injectable, usually the single dose ones are preservative free um so I, the yeah, the next best step would be to talk with um neurology about that lingering nerve pain and especially that kind of shooting pain that you're describing there um to see exactly what the cause is, okay, thank you you're welcome, thank you so much for giving us a call today. All right, and we'll go over to uh, Yazoo and talk with Ruth. Good morning, Ruth. How can I help you?
0: Yes, I'm not concerned, but I'm just curious mm-hmm. uh, regarding the news from New York about polio. Right. I was curious, those old-time, us old-timers who had the sh- polio shot 65 years ago, how in the world could a shot still be good? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, there's variability in some of those different kinds of things, you know, and and actually the older shot or the older polio vaccine, what you probably received was an oral polio vaccine. Um, Those were the vaccines that kind of historically had been used. Um, It is no longer utilized in the U.S. and we actually use um, uh, what's called inactivated polio vaccine virus or IPV. Um, And it's been around since about uh, 2000. Um, But in terms of you know, an individual's lasting response—that's a little bit hard to to tell. That's why we we rely on things like uh, herd immunity, where the majority of people in a particular area are are vaccinated um, against something, and that kind of keeps outbreaks from occurring. Uh, but it's definitely something that's been called, you know, called called forward a little bit more. Um, with the news coming out of New York and those different kinds of things. And right now the, the recommendation is, of course, if you have not received um, a polio vaccine of any type to, uh, to, to do so. Um, but if you have, then to have a conversation with um, your provider about you know um, patterns in your particular community and whether you would need an, any additional vaccination. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Y'all are giving me some good questions this morning. I like it. All right, let's head to New Albany and talk about the shingle shot. Good morning, Susan. How can I help you? Yes, hey. Thanks for taking my Sure. Call.
3: Okay, so I'm a big procrastinator. I did <laughs> I had my first I had my first shingrix shot for shingles um in 2019 July okay and i had a i had a bad reaction i woke up in the middle of the night with nausea and a fever and mm-hmm. chills so i put it off put it off well i still haven't gotten the second one but now what i'm i've been to the pharmacy and i've gotten um two different opinions one says i have to start over with the first one and another provider has said go ahead and that will be considered shot number 2 mm-hmm. so i don't really know where i am right now
1: yeah and you know that there's kind of competing opinion um about how best to proceed with that um i want to go back to um the kind of reaction that you had tell me what happened after you had it
3: well i had this shot um, mid afternoon of that day and then in the middle of the night, maybe two or three in the morning, I started uh having uh chills and I was shaking okay. and I was uh, nauseous. Um and then I called the pharmacy the next day and explained to them what had happened. And they said, oh, well, you should have read the fine print. There are side effects Mm -hmm. generally to a certain percentage of of, uh, patients. So um, I was trying to decide when I wanted to get sick next (laughs) to have my second
1: shot. My mom did the same thing. She just got hers, and she was like, I know I'm going to feel bad, so let me figure out how I can schedule this to where I I don't miss anything.
3: Yeah, let me look at my calendar. When when do I want to be sick? Yeah.
1: Well, um, so you know, I, yeah, go ahead.
3: I just don't know if this is going to be number one or number two. Or do we start over? Yeah, uh,
1: you know, generally the what, CDC, what you, you know, generally the CDC is going to say that you don't have to restart. Um, the vaccine series that you just, you know, get it as soon as possible. Um, You know, it is a little a little protracted out, um, uh, given that your first one was in 2019. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if you're if you're going to go ahead and get it, then I think it's fine to get it. And you probably won't restart the vaccine series there. Um, Yeah. And it sounds like what you had. I was making sure uh you didn't sound like you had any kind of breathing trouble or anything like that with, with your vaccine. Okay, Yeah. No. Yep. I just thought I'd much rather have that
3: than shingles
1: yes so. yes absolutely and and I don't think folks who have never had shingles um, can appreciate bad. <laughs> how yeah, bad it I, is no uh, yep, absolutely all right well I hope that helped you a little bit and I hope you do okay you with this much. next one I, I all right.
3: appreciate it all right
1: bye Bye-bye. bye bye Um, And so uh, that's a great kind of a great segue into talking about um, the shingles vaccine. And so uh, if if you're not familiar with kind of the quote unquote new shingles vaccine, which is not like super new, but there used to be a previous vaccine before that called Zostavax. Um, That is not what is given anymore. We actually give something called Shingrix, um, S H I N G R. I X, um, is the currently available um, shingles vaccine. And so if you were vaccinated in the past with Sastavax, you would still be um, a candidate for uh, the shingles vaccine. And so, uh, yes, we talk about the shingles vaccine in the prevention of shingles. Right. But the shingles vaccine is also the only way to protect against post herpetic neuralgia right um you often see that abbreviated PHN, um but it is the most common complication that happens from shingles and it is um you know neuralgia is like nerve pain uh, or um you know pretty uh uncomfortable chronic pain um often in the area that the shingles vax- the shingles um crop came up um which for some folks is on the trunk a lot of times you'll see it um kind of along the ribs or the lower back those kinds of areas but the shingles can occur um anywhere along these specific uh n- kind of nerve um uh, nerve roots or what we call dermatomes and they they can be quite severe when they are around the face um, uh, you can even have it that where the shingles will um, get into the, the eye which can cause blindness and those kinds of things so prevention of the shingles is very very important and prevention of that kind of chronic long lasting um, pain that can happen even after the, the shingles um, rash is gone is very very important and the only way to do that is with shingles vaccination thanks for tuning in you're listening to southern remedy healthy and fit here on mpb think radio and we've been talking um, about vaccine uh, preventable diseases and we've had a lot of great calls and a lot of great content related to things like the flu vaccine the covid booster and right now we've been talking about um, the shingles vaccine and we are going to go on over to the phone line because we do have some callers holding and we'll talk to jenny good morning jenny how can i help you
2: good morning i had the shingles vaccine years ago and um i think that i need to get a new vaccination but i wasn't sure It was
0: been, I
1: don't know how long ago, at least five or six, ten years ago. Okay. Um, You probably had, do you know, did you have Zostavax?
0: I have no clue.
1: Yeah. You probably had Zostavax, and so with... with that particular one, you would need to be revaccinated um, with the Shingrix vaccine. So it would kind of be the first step is see if you can get your hands on your vaccine um, record or wherever you got it done um, to see what they gave you. Um, but immune, with the Shingrix that we're giving currently, immunity stays really, really strong for um, at least about seven years. Um, so right now, we're not kind of recommending revaccination um, on those. But the first step would be to see what you got. But with it being as many years ago as you're um telling me you probably had zostavax okay thank you you're welcome all right and we will go to madison and talk with susan hello susan how can i help you
0: hello um my daughter had um, shingles when she was about eight years old she's 28 now uh does she need to get vaccinated
1: yep (laughs) that one that one was an easy one so um yes people who have had shingles in the past um, people who um have had chicken pox in the past people who have had the chicken pox vaccine in the past all of those individuals do need to get vaccinated um against shingles how old did you say she is now she's 28 she's 28 so um go ahead she did have
0: she did have chicken
1: pox she had chicken pox not shingles
0: She had chicken pox and
1: shingles. Bless her soul. Um, So the general recommendation for the average population is going to be to start the shingles vaccine at age 50. Um, Now, younger than that is more um, a case-by-case basis depending on um, immune function. So there are folks that may be immunosuppressed um, that would greatly increase their risk for developing shingles, um, you know, multiple times. And so in those individuals, the vaccine can be given um, early than um, than 50. Um, so that would be kind of the, the first step. Is she immunocompromised?
0: No.
1: Okay. Then she probably would not um, kind of qualify or need shingles vaccination until the age of 50. But uh, okay. when she's that age, having had shingles in the past would not preclude her from getting the vaccine. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, I was just um, concerned if she should get it before 50 or not.
1: Yeah, unless she's got an, like a weakened immune system, generally uh-huh. not. No. or Unless she gets okay. it repetitively. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, guys, in the last couple of minutes of the show, um, I want to touch on um, the Tdap vaccine or the, the tetanus vaccine is kind of how it's generally termed, but it um, may or may not just have um, kind of tetanus in it. So um, it is, re- when we say the tetanus shot, oftentimes we're referring to either DTAP or TDAP. Um, and you may be thinking those are the same letters, just in different orders. And you are correct, they are. And what that has to do is with the kind of proportion of the different things in it. So D stands for diphtheria, T stands for um, tetanus, and the P stands for pertussis. And so... Um, the the formulations that we use and, and the the component percentages um, are different based on age. So our little ones that start in infancy that we start giving our DTAP um, vaccines, and then um, when we start to give kind of the booster in adolescence, that's usually Tdap. Um, And then um, in full on adulthood, uh, unless you're pregnant, we may just give you just tetanus, just TD booster. So um, who needs it? Well, uh, everybody needs to stay up to date on their Um, tetanus vaccination procedures, right? Um, And so it's usually every 10 years is when um, a tetanus vaccine should be boosted. It's probably one of the um, areas I see of the kind of least... I don't want to say the word compliance, but just least kind of staying current on those kinds of things. Um, we usually think about getting a tetanus shot after an injury, like you step on something, you cut yourself, uh, you have a dog bite or something like that. When you go to, um, you know, urgent care, wherever you go to get that um, taken care of, they usually give you a booster shot of your um tetanus all right but you can kind of stay on top of things kind of prophylactically and have that boosted every um, 10 years if you're an adult and you have never received a dose of tdap then that is going to be the one that we would recommend you receiving first and then every 10 years after that we can just boost you with regular tetanus Um, the exception to that is if you are pregnant right so um T-DAP, that P stands for pertussis, right, which is whooping cough, which um, when I was going through school, I was like, we will never see whooping cough. Well, yeah, we do. So, um, you know, whooping cough is that um, respiratory pathogen where you will see um, kind of babies cough, 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 and then when they suck in air, it makes a whooping sound, which is why it got its name for whooping cough, but it can be quite Quite severe, um, and can keep babies from um, you know eating and drinking well. Getting they have to get dehydrated, have to go in the hospital, all these different kinds of things. And vaccination for that starts at two months of age, uh, so they're kind of unprotected for those couple of um, couple of first months of life. And so the way we protect them is their caregivers make sure they're up to date on um, their um, Tdap. Uh, shots. And then mamas uh, in the third trimester will use or should be offered um, a Tdap vaccination with each pregnancy. That way you get kind of Passive immunity, kind of passive transfer of those antibodies from mama to baby while baby is still growing. Um, So, if you feel like you have no clue what your tetanus uh, vaccination status is, just ask your healthcare provider hey, do you know, you know, is there any record in here of my last um, tetanus shot? And if so, did I receive just a tetanus or did I have TDAP? Because if you're going to be caring for little babies um, or a care provider of little babies, it's um, not a bad idea to get that TDAP as the booster. Booster, um booster there All right, guys, that uh, was a a quick hour that went by really, really fast with lots of good information about vaccines. Um, If you didn't get your question into us today, please don't hesitate to send me an email. It's fit at mpbonline.org. You can also find lots of great information about um, vaccinations on the CDC website, um, as well as the full immunization um, schedule and recommendations for when these things should occur, should you have questions there. And then always talk with your regular healthcare provider about your individual risk for certain um, illnesses and diseases and your need for vaccination. Um, and a caveat, if you're going to be traveling, right, if you're going to be traveling to, you know, especially internationally, consider um, speaking to a travel expert about vaccinations there. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.